What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Park Church Podcast. I'm your host, James Lapine. And as I'm sure you know by now, we are taking this month to talk with uh, the folks with whom we partner financially at Park Church. And so our first four interviews have been with the church planners that we're supporting. The first one was with Dan Murata, who's in Virginia. Then we talked with Jason Procupio, who is in Paris, France. Last month, we talked with Dan Bartol, who is in the Czech Republic. And this month, we talked with Matt Morjinski. Uh, and it is Morjinski, not Morginski, as he let me know in the interview. You'll hear that here in a couple minutes. Um, Matt Morjinski and uh, and his family are planting Grace and Peace Church, which is here in Denver. It's on the northeast side of town in the Whittier neighborhood. Um, and we've supported the Morjinskis since Matt was a pastoral resident at Denver Presbyterian Church. Uh, they were sent out a year and a half ago to start Grace and Peace, and so... They are there in the Whittier neighborhood. Uh, it was a, a good conversation with Matt. He, his life started, uh, at least professionally, uh, when he founded the band The OC Supertones. Maybe some of you guys have heard of them. Uh, he did music for a while, but uh, he and his wife felt a call to ministry. He went to Covenant Theological Seminary, and then they made their way out to Denver from there. So uh, we talked about... Well, specifically, uh, what it's like to uh, listen for the voice of God. I know that can be difficult for people to know what that means or how to do it, and so we spent a good amount of time on that. Uh, We talked about what it's been like to plant a church, just the challenges and successes that they've seen so far. Uh, We talked about his favorite fried chicken sandwich in Denver. I don't know what it is with me and fried chicken. That seems to come up a lot on the podcast. Uh, but it's a fun conversation with Matt and uh, a helpful conversation. He's honest, he's real, he's authentic, uh, and I really appreciated hearing more about what it's been like for them uh, as church planners. So that's it from me. Here is the interview with Matt. Well, hey, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, James. Uh, there are, I'm sure, as, as you said before we uh, you know, started recording here, there's only one and only Matt Morginsky. But uh, for, those, <laughs> for those who aren't familiar it, with it you... It is pronounced Morginsky, by the way. Oh. As a you could have told okay. me that before we started. I, I, you know, it happened so much I stopped noticing. <laughs> Whatever people call me James Lapine, I just roll with it. I'm like, that's fine. I can be Lapine. Um, it is Lapine. Lapine. It's Lapine, yeah. Yeah. Matt Morjinski. Mm-hmm. Not everybody knows who you are necessarily. So can you give us the uh, three to five minute Matt Morjinski story? I'm just going to say that over and over again. Matt Morjinski. Sure. Well, I, so it's harder for um, older folks like me. I'm 41. Okay. So three to five minutes, you know. Yeah, a lot to cover. When you're 20, you can cover it. <laughs> you can have um, 10 minutes if you want. So currently, um, I am a planting pastor in Northeast Denver, Grace and Peace Church, Denver. Um, uh, ordained minister in the PCA, father of five. Um, and yeah, love, love what we're doing and love, uh, love the work that God has called me to. Uh, kind of an indirect route to get, um, to be a pastor. I started out my professional career as a musician, playing in a band for a long time and, and touring around and doing records and stuff like that. Didn't know what I was going to do after music career was over at 29 and um, and was just involved with a church plant back in Nashville while I was just working other jobs and um, got a call to ministry. So we went 
applied to Covenant Seminary with no undergrad degree, which was, <laughs> you know, hey, let, let us into your master's program. <laughs> I don't have a single college credit to my name. And they did. Oh, and, wow. um, yeah, it was a total just God opening the door and, and, and providing the opportunity and, and just kind of, um, that was an amazing experience and received a kind of just figured our, our way that, that church planting was where the Lord was calling us have been in Denver now for seven years. Um, and spent the first, Oh, four, four and a half of it. I think, does that math add up? I'm not sure. No, no, no. More than that, uh, kind of preparing to plant and, and getting to know the city and, and the neighborhood, um, that we're in. So we've actually been in the neighborhood in which we planted, um, since 2012. Okay. Um, and, uh, and, and didn't, didn't actually initiate the church plant until a year and a half ago. Okay. All right. Nice. And, and you're Northeast Denver, right? That's right. Northeast of downtown. So the neighborhoods are called Northeast. It refers to a general area that stretches sort of from Curtis Park all the way over into Northeast Park Hill. Okay. okay. So basically the, all the city south of, south of I-70 above City Park. So it's changed quite a bit since you moved there. Oh, indeed. Uh, and rapidly changing still. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What, where are you from originally? Long Island, New York. Okay. And then. But spent a lot of time in Southern California. Okay. Uh, Nashville while I was doing music in St. Louis for seminary. So. Okay. I've, I've lived all over the place <laughs> in the U.S. And then Denver. Why'd you choose here? Yep. Well, uh, why wouldn't you choose Denver? First of all, we visited, um, yeah. before, before we came and thought it was just a great place. Um, my wife is from Georgia. And so as we were considering what would be a good fit for us, um, as a couple and as a family, I was, uh, recruited a little bit to go plant in, in the Northeast, you know, back in Long Island or Queens or someplace like that. But I just didn't feel that my, my poor, Georgian wife could handle <laughs> living in New York. It's, it's a lot to take. And, um, especially and so, with five kids. Well, we didn't have five kids at the time. We had only three. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, Den Denver just felt like just a very natural fit for us. Okay. Um, and, uh, and also just the opportunity was here and, and, um, you know, as we, we're always reevaluating. We're always thinking, is this where God wants us? And just time after time, God has shown. Like, I, I, when I first moved out, I was serving in one, one call that's pastor talk for job. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it, it ended pretty quickly. It just didn't work out very well. And so I thought, hey, uh, man, I thought Denver was the place God was calling us, but it must not be. And so we candidated. We, we looked for, for, um, another pastor job anywhere in the country and one opened up at Denver Presbyterian church. We didn't even have to move houses. Wow. It was, yeah. And so it was clear, you know, God provided this opportunity. And by the way, at Denver Presbyterian, they had passed on something like 14 other candidates, um, for the, for the church planting role. Huh. So I didn't like, it wasn't that they were just taking anybody who was there. No. Um, I, I do think it was it was arranged by the Lord. That's cool. And so, 
so you get here to Denver, the first job doesn't work. This one, mm-hmm. this one comes up and then you spent time like in a residence there at Denver Prez. I did. I did three years as a church planting resident when I, where I served as a assistant pastor, okay. kind of, um, general jack of all trades, um, building ministries, uh, doing some counseling and preaching, but, but mainly I was learning how to lead. Um, my, uh, mentor there, Bill Connors, uh, best friend of this day. Uh, we, we still share an office, um, you know, really sort of, it was like a second seminary experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned how to, I learned how to understand the Bible and, and I got equipped for a lot of things in seminary, but, uh, Denver Prez is where I really learned more about how to lead. Mm-hmm. Is but Bill, it was a fantastic experience. Is Bill there in the office with you right now? Can he hear us? No, I'm, I'm actually at my house. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, no, he would, he would be insufferable if he heard that. <laughs> so you, you learn about, uh, leadership, especially in a, just like in a local church context there at Denver Prez. But the idea That's was right. always, we're going to send you out to do your own thing. That's correct. And yeah. that's something you wanted to do. It is. It's something I was terrified to do, yeah. but something that I wanted to do. Yeah. I, I always, you know, from, from day one of going into seminary, I, I was very wary <clears throat> about telling God what I would and wouldn't do. Hmm. I, I just, that never felt right. And so I never said I wouldn't go to a certain area of the country or world or, or serve in a, serve in a certain capacity. It was always, what does the Lord want us to do? And yeah. so if I'm scared to do it, that doesn't matter. If I think that I wouldn't be good at it, that doesn't matter. Um, just try and listen to God. Mm. That's good. Any. I know that uh, listening to God is probably something that is new for some of the folks who go to Park Church or maybe even others who are listening. Um, anything that you read or watched or just people you talked to who were helpful in, in uh, teaching you how to listen to God? Boy, that, that's a good question. I think it is something that you accumulate over time of walking with Jesus. Mm. Um, I, I would say The Call by Oz Guinness is a very helpful book. Okay. Because um, I'm not a big, uh, you know, God told me to break up with my girlfriend you know, <laughs> or, or anything like that. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. God told me to keep all of my money for myself this month. <laughs> I, when I hear people say God told me. What they're really saying is you can have no input on this decision I'm making. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> and right. And so listening to God is more about, first of all, being engaged in regular prayer and study of the word so mm. that you are shaped so that you hear. Yeah. Um, right. And then uh, I would say looking for where, what are you built to do? And what is the job available? Mm-hmm. Not not just not. I'm not saying employment role, but w- whatever it is, you know, um, if it's if it's a role inside of your church, a place you can serve, something you can do around your household. If it is a whole vocational thing or a volunteer ministry, whatever it is, you have to understand what God has called you to do. What are you built for? And then. Um, what are the opportunities available? What's the what's the tool? What kind of tool are you, and what's the job for you to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that that's a big part of listening to God, and also kind of, kind of, um, a lot of the time, 
it's just it's things that you discover over time. And so when we were in that period after that first call that didn't work out, I was just laying on my face before God every day and saying, I don't know what to do. I trust you. Um, I know that you're not done with me. I know you have a purpose. And so wherever you want me to go, that's where I'll go. Hmm. And and then <clears throat> and then certain doors open, others doors close, and and um, you know I I think just trying to be aware. I was just reading in a devotion this morning by Jack Miller, who's a personal hero. If you've never heard of him, go check out Jack Miller. Um, you know that that when Jesus gets on his knees to pray, uh, and and he prays, not my will. But your will, like it was an unusual. It's in Luke. Um, it's an unusual posture for prayer. You would stand in those days, mm-hmm. and so the first part of listening to God is is submitting to God. You know that yeah. you are that your heart truly would come to desire God's will instead of your own. Mm-hmm. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That kind of stuff. Huh? Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Have you heard of Jack Deere? I haven't. I, I got lunch or breakfast with a guy this week who recommended a book called uh, "Surprised by the Voice of God." So I haven't read it. Hmm. Uh, I, I guess I can't wholeheartedly recommend it, but uh, maybe yeah. if, if actually I can. I trust the guy that I got breakfast with, so maybe that's another book yeah. that people could check out. Uh, that's helpful, though. I think this stuff mm-hmm. about putting yourself in line, you know, reading the scripture, uh, praying, mm-hmm. and then discerning what am I good at, and then what opportunities are out there. Oh, I forgot. Maybe maybe one of the most important parts yeah. is is the external voice of God. A lot of the time, we may overfocus on the internal. What do I feel God prompting me to? Hmm. Oh, Alexa just went went off. Um, <laughs> that's funny. That's creepy. But yeah, it is. Um, She's listening. But I, right, <laughs> the external voice uh, of God. Oh no. Oh oh dear! I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> um, so the external voice of God is the church. Yeah. And so you must, first of all, be in community Mm. and have godly people in your life that you trust and listen to them. Because most frequently, the Lord will speak through elders, deacons, uh, other church members, people that you're close to. And that, that, I think, is actually one of the most significant ways. When people are resistant to feedback they get, Mm. um, no one sees you as clearly as those you're in community with. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's a huge part of listening to God. That's good. Um, I, I think the ditches there can be, and tell me if this is, if you've seen this as well, like either I'm going to be paralyzed until I feel like I know exactly what God wants me to do. And until I know that mm-hmm. I'm just not going to do anything or, well, I'm not hearing anything from him. So I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Uh, go, yes. go, go. So I would say you wait in motion. Hmm. Okay, so uh, I heard one one person say that it, it's easier for God to steer you when you're already in motion. Yeah. If you are seeking things to do, if you're involved, um, so for instance, if I had not been with my wife involved in a church plant as members, we would have never, if I was just sitting there saying, well, I don't want to get involved in this church plant because I want to figure out what God wants me to do long term after music. Yeah. Right? Like, I was working, I was serving, I was making myself useful somehow, and through that, God steered me towards 
ministry and seminary. Yes. So um, sometimes, a, lo- a lot of the time, as a matter of fact, figuring out what doesn't work is, is just as important as in the equation of figuring out where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So you may serve in a certain role or a certain ministry and find out, yeah, I'm really drained by this. I can't, <laughs> there's no way I can do this long term. Yeah. You know, yep. um, it may, it may take, uh, you being underway in some sort of graduate program when you figure out, mm, not what the Lord's calling me to. Yeah. And I, I wish there was a clean, easy, zero cost way, uh, to figure those things out. But unfortunately it is going to be a lot of trial and error. And it's a lot of, um, you know, God calls you in an indirect route. Hmm. Yep. Yep. And what feel, what might feel like you're wasting time is actually him preparing you for something. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love, um, the story of, uh, I think it's of, of Ulysses S. Grant, um, who, you know, had all these failed businesses, Hmm. And you would look at the guy and say, well, what a failure, you know, but really it was his, him trying out and failing at all these other businesses that prepared him to be a modern warfare general. Yeah. You know, he had an understanding of all these things that, that through his business experience, um, that you had to, that you had to learn about to be a modern warfare general. Um, so all of his failures prepared him for a task that he had to do. Yeah. Okay, so so good segue for you. Uh, talking, you're a year and a half into planting. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Things that you have. I mean, doing a, a residency is obviously helpful, um, but mm-hmm. still, there are inevitable Huge. challenges that you run into. Five kids, Five, you know, a gentrifying neighborhood. What what um, mm-hmm. what challenges have you faced? What successes have you seen uh, in the past year and a half? Uh, well, I, I'd say that. Planting a church has been one of the, not one of, it's the most challenging thing huh. I've en- ever undertaken. Just the, I definitely feel the weight of like, you're responsible for leading a community. You've, you, um, uh, you know, you're out raising support and, and all these people are heavily invested in what we're doing, mm-hmm. which is great. Like that's what's required. Um, but I think that you have to be a megalomaniac or something like that to not feel the weight of that responsibility. <laughs> um, and so that's a challenge. So I faced our first year just emotionally. It was very, very difficult. Um, I, I, I faced anxiety and depression like I, I haven't in many years. Mm. Um, and so just had to learn to trust in Jesus in new ways, had to learn new tools for coping with it. Um, I brought in uh, a spiritual mentor um, to to kind of coach me through this stuff who had done a similar sort of work back in Baltimore, and that was hugely helpful. I um, I entrusted a, a lot of people around me with just the struggles that I was having. And so every challenge, you know, there's a way to overcome it, and that that's part of the lesson of, of the first year. Yeah. Um, I think that what we're doing is we are we are trying to be – welcoming to every person in the neighborhood. So instead of saying, you know, uh, what are the preferences of the white collar folks moving in? We say, okay, well, what are the preferences of those folks as well as, you know, a working class Latino family or, um, an elderly person in the neighborhood or someone with no church background. And, 
and we are trying to have a church that actually is welcoming. Now we know um, that we cannot make everybody's favorite church. Yeah. That's 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 one of the real challenges. Is if you make the favorite church of thirty-something middle-class people, you have erected walls to fifty-something working-class people. Hmm. Make sense? Mm-hmm. And so we actually have a model, a motto: no one's favorite church. <laughs> our, goal, <laughs> our goal is to reduce the walls, to find things that are barriers. For instance, if you we have eight thousand uh, people who are Spanish first in a ten minute drive of where we worship. Hmm. Okay, and so how if we did only English, right? We we cater to that preference. Um, then we are excluding. 8,000 people right around us. Yeah. We make it inaccessible. It's a wall. And so we have translation and we have, um, you know, all of our Bible text on the screen is in English and Spanish. We do songs in Spanish and English. We all our signage, our website, everything, right? So it's, it's a huge challenge to figure out all these things because a lot of the barriers that we end up putting up are not visible and not obvious. Hmm. And so trying to understand and grow and and develop a worshiping community. And, and I, I get it. People who are looking for something that's like, I want my favorite. I want my my favorite songs. And, you know, I don't want to bother with all this Spanish language translate, translation stuff. I, I get it. That's fine. There's churches to serve that. Um, I think an extra challenge for us is figuring out um, – is, is being willing to have people not like it, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and just say, that, that's fine. You can go somewhere else <laughs> and, and say, this is what the Lord has called us to do and stick with it. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so it, you've been doing that a year and a half now. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Are you seeing all kinds of different people coming or what is the, the makeup of the church looking like? Yeah. So the, um, I think from even from our home group stage, we've been between um, twenty to thirty uh, percent non-majority culture, which is great. Yeah. Um, I thought it would take five years of real consistent effort to see anything happen at all. Hmm. And so, what we've seen in the first year and a half is not a huge influx of people from Latino or African American or, or other cultures. But we've seen a significant number that are owning the church. Um, And what's more is that when we have visitors who are not majority culture, they they always comment um, about how welcome they felt, how uh, how it was, you know, we really demonstrate care for people who are not majority culture. Um, So that's been really cool. And, and, And in addition to that, I think what it's ended up creating is a welcoming environment for people who have a really hard time with church. Mm -hmm. Um, So people who are addicted, people who are not sure about what they believe, people who have, um, who maybe don't see themselves as fitting in, um, in the cultures of a lot of churches. Now you and I both know everybody's broken. Yep. Some people are good at hiding it, you yep. know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, we've done well 
with, with people who just have a really hard time with church. So we've seen 10 people come to faith so far, hmm. believe the gospel for the first time. Um, we have a couple people who are formerly homeless, um, several recovering addicts and alcoholics. Um, so it's been really beautiful. What I call the Jesus stuff, you know, being able to bridge cultural gaps to, um, make a safe place for those who are far away from Jesus to come near. Like that has actually been just fantastic. Yeah. That's really encouraging. Really glad to hear that. Yeah. Like that's the stuff that gets us out of bed, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So moving forward, uh, you know, we're, we're just on the other side of town from y'all. How can we, uh, support, encourage, pray for you guys, specific things or general things, whatever. Sure. Well, there's plenty of specific things. So um, whenever someone asks me the general question, how's the church going? <laughs> I say mixed bag. So Jesus stuff has been great. Yeah. Um, viability stuff. I like then there's like how I'm doing personally, which is up and down. Yeah. And then the viability stuff of every that every church plant faces plant faces of we need to get to self-sustaining. Um, you know, we we need to. Uh, build our, our community numerically, all those things. Yeah. And so um, that stuff has been growing, um, but we want to, we are, um, we are definitely still in need of, of uh, finding more supporting partner churches. And so pr- pray for us in that. Okay. Um, and then one of the other things is we are joining X29. Yay. Um, we, yeah, we are, we actually was at Park for our, um, whatchamacallit, the evaluation. Oh, yeah. And our assessment. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we were there and it was great. Um, we're very excited about being part of X29 and I uh, have a few conditions to knock out. One of the conditions that I agree with them wholeheartedly on <laughs> is, um, is that we need, uh, administrative executive help. So in my gift set, I am definitely a vision leader, a preacher, and, you know, a sort of priestly pastor. I love sitting down with people. One thing I'm not is the high-level organization kingly type. <laughs> uh, so if you, so for those who are listening, when we talk about ministerial gifts, there's the prophet, prophetic, priestly, and kingly. Prophetic is vision and preaching of the word. Um, the priestly is sort of the one-on-one declaration of the word, applying the gospel uh, to a person's particular situation. And then the kingly is sort of the, you know, you think about the CEO pastor, the, <laughs> the person who is great with um, institutional leadership. Yeah. I would say I've grown in that, especially under the tutelage of my mentor, but it's still not a strength. <laughs> and, uh, and so they're like, yeah, man, you, you guys have done good, but, but for you to become sustainable um, and for you to be freed up to, to function in the ways that God has actually gifted you, uh, you're going to need some serious full-time help. You need someone to own it and drive it. And so we are going to be looking uh, for a rare person, yeah. uh, for someone with that administrative and executive leadership skill set. Uh, to join our staff when we don't have the finances to do it. Mm. <laughs> so either we've got to go out and raise more support to pay this person or find someone who's willing to raise their own support. And you and I both know that is a tall order. <laughs> um, yep. So we only need one <laughs> is the good thing. <laughs> so uh, 
one person on planet Earth who is willing to do that and would would uh, who who would be that that person that God is calling. That's that's a matter of huge prayer. Yeah, no kidding. Um, okay, well that's good. That's helpful. Let's uh, let's do a couple rapid fire questions and then we'll sure. call it, we'll call it good. All right. Uh, I'm nervous. Oh, don't be nervous. This is the fun part. Okay. Okay. Great. <laughs> um, okay. Favorite TV show, movie, and or book that you've watched or read recently? That I've watched or read recently. I'm currently watching Better Call Saul's third season. It yes. is fantastic. Yes. Although I gotta say, Stranger Things yeah. is genius. Yeah. Um, uh, book I'm reading right now is A War Like No Other by Victor Davis Hanson. It's about the Peloponnesian War. Um, from maybe the top military historian in the world right now. Huh. Fascinating. I'm going back and forth from that to Tolstoy's War and Peace. <laughs> nice. um, and then I saw on Monday, my wife and I, Monday's our day off, I yeah. saw Black Panther for the first time, and it was awesome. Yes. Loved it. Yes. Um, and uh, I look forward to Black Panther Five, which we'll get to eventually. Um, so yeah, that's uh, I, I I see maybe three movies a year. The only only other movie I've seen this year was uh, was Star Wars, and um, and so Black Panther made the short list of movies that I needed to see in theaters. Dang! Wow. Have yeah. you have you heard of Movie Pass? What's that? It's uh, and I don't get paid to talk about this. Okay, this isn't a this okay. isn't a sponsorship on the show. Although that would be cool if they wanted to do that. So Movie Pass, if Movie you're listening, pass. yeah, yeah, exactly. For uh, I'm not kidding you. For eight dollars a month, you can see as many movies as you want to see. Is that right? Yes. Wow. I know. Well, you know, the constraint for us is not um, is not money necessarily. Yeah. Although that eight dollars helps. It's babysitting. Ah. Um, yeah, getting getting your five kids taken care of. Although my oldest is going to turn twelve in September. Okay. At which point, I think um, my wife and I will spend maybe three hours a week at home. <laughs> I'm kidding, everybody. Kidding, kidding, kidding. No, but we'll at least get get to see you know five movies a year. Yeah, there you go. You can up it a little mm-hmm. bit. I, I'm the middle mm-hmm. of five. I, I you're the middle of five? I am. You know, once you have five, all the five kid family people who are adults now come out of the woodwork. I'm one of five. I'm one of ten. <laughs> Makes us feel less freakish. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm the zombie coming out of the woods right now. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when my, so I have two older sisters, two younger brothers, and I think when my sister Amy was about 12 or 13, that's when, when my parents started to entrust the rest of us with her. So there, yep. you, there you go. It'll be a freeing moment <laughs> yeah. for you. And my my oldest, she is she is highly super responsible. That so. helps. That helps. First child syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, Indeed. I, iPhone or something else. Uh, iPhone, just just because I was told to. <laughs> By who? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I received this message somewhere that Apple is better. I don't know if I believe it, but I've got all Apple stuff, and it's too expensive <laughs> to switch. I know. Once once you're in, it's hard to get out. Really is. Yeah. It's like MS thirteen. <laughs> what's oh, this is a good one, especially for your part of town. I'm interested to know. What's the best meal that you've had recently? 
If it's home cooked, that's okay. Oh, best meal that I've had recently. Well, I, I'm not going to go meal. I'm going to. I was just there this morning. We're having a church meeting tonight, and I would say Rolling Pin Bake Shop. Okay, uh, has about the best pastry pastries. Um, at very reasonable, non-gouge-your-eyes-out prices <laughs> around. So I would recommend hitting up Rolling Pin. Okay. They, they have a key lime pie and a French soap pie. That will just knock your socks off. Oh, man. All right. Mm-hmm. And what about... And the other place right next door, yeah. uh, Welton Street Cafe is an old favorite. Okay. Um, best soul food in town. Been there for 40 years. Uh, the jerk chicken or the fried chicken sandwich uh, would be... Um, highly recommended. Oh man, hang on now. I I feel like I've tried almost all the fried chicken places in town, but I have not been to. Have Welton. you gone to Welton Street? No. Then you haven't tried fried chicken. Okay. Well, I the- don't even like fried chicken, and their fried <laughs> chicken sandwich is just so good. Yeah, you get it with some greens and red beans and rice or yams or something like that. It's amazing. Oh man. Okay. Let's email after this and let's figure out when I can buy you and myself a fried chicken sandwich from there. Sounds good to me, man. Have you had a sandwich from a? from um, Curtis Park Deli? Oh, sure. Pretty good. Yeah, I have a problem with the $8 price tag on a sandwich, though. Sure, I hear you. It, in my mind, a sandwich should be $5. Well, you're kind of living in 1990s dollars there, aren't you? A little bit? <sighs> I guess. <laughs> okay, so are you telling me the fried chicken sandwich is $5 at Welton? Um, well, Welton, it's more of an entree. Okay. You're getting sides. You know what I'm saying? Getting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get sides with it. You sit down to eat it. Okay. It comes on a plate. All right. It's not a plate that I'll pay $8, but <laughs> if it's in a box or, or wrapped in paper, I don't want to pay $8. I hear you. That's fair. Six fifty. Six fifty is my breaking point. <laughs> Good to know. Um, nerdiest thing that you're into right now, the thing you kind of don't want to tell me about. Oh, nerdiest thing! I, I'm I'm so proud of my nerdiness. Oh, good. Uh, well, I did. Didn't I say earlier that I'm reading War and Peace for fun? Yeah, and a book about a war from a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. the Peloponnesian. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah part, I already forgot Peloponnesian. Yeah, right. That's a key one. I I, <laughs> I made a connection. I I don't know that you have the spread of early Christianity without the Peloponnesian War. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you ready? Yep. This is complete. This was just I was thinking of it last night. Okay. All right. So, it is widely accepted that the Pax Romana um, provided and the Roman road system provided the environment where the early Christian missionaries—we're talking the apostles and the and the first disciples—were able to safely travel throughout the Roman Empire and mm. share the gospel message. Mm. Right. Only time in history, about an eighty-year period where you could do that. Um, now, it is widely acknowledged also that the part of the world that the, Rome, that the Romans consolidated under Pompey, Pompey, you know, who, for whom the city of Pompey was, was named, yeah. uh, was broken to empire, was conquered by Alexander the worst, who some call the great. Um, <laughs> most people call the great, I call the worst. He's okay. a terrible guy. Uh, so uh, so they kind of grabbed what Alexander built, and also Alexander spread the language Greek throughout the whole world. Okay? You with me? I'm with you. I'm here. 
providing not only the road system and the peace, but also the ability to communicate. The entire Roman Empire was able to communicate in common Greek, Koine Greek. Okay, if it had not been for the Peloponnesian War completely destabilizing the entire Greek world and weakening Athens, there would never have been an Alexander or Macedonian conquest which provided those other conditions for the gospel to spread in the first place. Wow. So, Peloponnesian War. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm thinking out loud with that. Yeah. I, I have not, like, dug deep on that, but I was connecting it with those other two well-established principles. Uh, yeah, I can see so, how you drew those lines. That, that makes sense to me. I'm sorry if everybody just turned off this podcast. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I don't preach like this. I don't preach like this. <laughs> okay, that was that was probably the longest answer I've ever gotten on nerdiest thing that you're into right now. So that was congratulations. Yeah, yeah. that's some some measure of the the magnitude of my nerdiness. <laughs> Um, okay, last one, and I steal this one from Tim Ferriss and his podcast. He says, if you could put a billboard anywhere in the world, where would you put it, and what would it say? Mm. Oh, gosh. What a good question. Hmm. Hmm. A billboard anywhere in the world, where would I put it, and what would it say? I, hmm, boy, I wish I had time to think about this one because that's just a good, good question. If you want to email me later with your answer, I'll put it on the show page. That's fine. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm counting on inspiration here. Something's gotta, hmm. I would put it in downtown Denver, and it would say, if you open up a $5 sandwich spot, I will eat there. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That was brilliant. There we go. go. (laughs) Um, Okay, that's all I got. Anything you want to add on the end? You good? No, I I just wanted to thank Park for... um, they have supported us even when I was doing my residency and um, friends with several of the people there mm-hmm. and has been a very meaningful partner um, throughout this entire endeavor. So thank you guys. Uh, and I just look forward to many years of being in ministry alongside Park in Denver. Hey, right back at you. We're grateful for y'all and what you're doing. And it was cool to hear a little bit more of your story and the church's story today and uh, just to know the ways we can be praying for and supporting you guys and hoping you find that unicorn candidate that you're looking for soon mm-hmm. <laughs> indeed um, but yeah grace and peace to you Mr. Morjinski and you as well <laughs> take care Bye, alrighty thanks so much for listening to this month's episode of the Park Church Podcast as always if you'd like to uh, check out any of the resources or check out Uh, Matt's Church, Uh, you can go to visit the show page, go to parkchurchdenver.org slash park-podcast, and there you'll see Matt's picture. You can click on his name, and that'll take you into the show page. 
uh, where you can find links to the things that we talked about today. Um, if you enjoyed today's show, I'd ask that you take a minute. If there's a friend that you think of or a family member or somebody that you think would enjoy it, take a second and just share it with them. You know, hit that little share button on whatever app you're using right now or laptop or whatever you're, you're using. Just copy that link and just send it on over to somebody. Why don't you put it in your, in your Twitter feed or your Facebook feed. Let somebody know about the show. You can also hop into iTunes and rate us and review us there. Uh, that is another way to help people find it. So if you like the show, you should tell other people about it. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. If you don't like the show, then that's okay. Uh, maybe, maybe send me an email. Tell me why you don't like it. You can email me james at parkchurchdenver.org. Tell me how I can make this thing better. All right. But if, if you're still listening, I think you probably liked it. That's just my guess. Maybe not, though. In any event, I'll see you next month for another episode of the Bark Church Podcast.